Hey, everybody. Uh, quick side note before we get started with the Charity Stripe commentary episode. I just wanted to say that this episode was recorded on Sunday, June 27th. I had some things to fix with the audio as and I had other things in my life going on at the same time. Uh, just getting it done and up now. This will be the only episode for this week. Hopefully we can, I want to record something for the, before the finals, after hopefully Atlanta wins the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so as, as we're recording this, the Suns are into the, uh, are through the, the Western Conference Final Champions and they're into the NBA Finals. We're happy for Chris Paul. Pat Beverly is, you know, not our favorite. <laughs> but uh, I I hope Giannis is okay. I We think, I think, and Marcus as well, I, I could say he tech messaged me, said that basically without Giannis, they're done. The Bucks are done and I concur. Even without, like, if Trey Young doesn't come back in the next game, I think Atlanta could roll again because we saw what they were doing in the first half. They had that commanding lead because Giannis wasn't being very aggressive. He wasn't getting after the ball. I forgot he was on the court at times, to be honest. Um, so, and they were, they they play so well, even without Trey Young. It's absolutely ridiculous. Bogi, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He is absolutely phenomenal. He is a great number two. I'll call him the number two on that team. I think it's Trey and, Bo- and Bogey. Those would be my first two choices on that team. Uh, John Collins is excellent too. Great. Like I can definitely hear the argument for that. But I think Atlanta is going through, and especially if Giannis doesn't come back, this is just going to be too devastating of a loss. Chris Middleton, he may have a good game at home. But that means they got to get to game seven. Um, the counting in game three, Giannis was able, after the first two trips, was able to use the counting. If you go back and watch game three, you can see him in the free throws. He starts the move at 10 and release and starts the release at 12. And he was timing it. And the fans were counting too fast. It wasn't, they, that wasn't 12 seconds. That was like just under 10 seconds, like what they were counting. He was getting close. He was. I thought they should have, in game four, slow counted him. Um, change up the counting speed so that he thinks, because he was getting used to it. Like, you could tell it didn't translate over to game four, unfortunately, for him. But in game three, I thought they should have switched up the speed and slow counted him. And that's how you bait him into the 10 second. You don't try and catch him on the 10 second. You bait him into the 10 second. But, you know, they end up winning game four anyways, with Trey Young. So... Who am I? So I I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. You know, check us out. Um, follow us. We're gonna have another episode out early into the NBA finals, if not before the NBA finals. All right, talk later. Bye. That'd be shorts weather in Canada. You sound just like a Canadian. They're built for the regular season. They're a well-oiled machine. In my humble opinion. Also, if you haven't heard, Jason Tatum's 6'10". On wax for the world to know. Oh, man. Honestly, guys, you sound like a girl who's scared of love. I am a girl who's scared of love. It's theirs to lose. I think they're a high ceiling, low floor. I'm going to make a joke because I am a glutton for punishment. They're just the massacres, bro. That shit was bonkers. I'm not gonna do what y'all did, Alonzo. But it is a new day, gentlemen. Because the bright future suns are finally fucking here.
Good afternoon, world. Welcome to another episode of the Charity Stripe Commentary. I'm Marcus Wilson, and I'm joined with my fellow co-hosts, Michael and Sean. How are we doing today, y'all? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's, you know, looks like a nice day out in your woods. It's starting to get nicer here. How is the weather over there, Mike? Uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's not It's not Florida, which is where I just came from. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's, it'll, it'll do. Oh, oh where in Florida did you just come from? I just came from Orlando. Uh, ew, not the oh. That's like the worst part, bro. Yo, you gotta, you, you gotta come to my part, bro. You gotta come to South Florida, bro. Where where are you located? I'm I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Like like so, technically speaking, I'm in Boca Raton, but it's just easier for me to say South Florida or Fort Lauderdale because that's like the only like hub spot people know. But yeah, like, Marlo, how, far you from, how far are you from Jacksonville? Oh, bro, the, the Duval. Oh, fuck that, bro. That's like five hours away. But the thing is. I have. I will never go to Jacksonville. I have no reason to go to Jacksonville. I hate it. I have family there, so I. I just had to know. I think I'll be there in September, so I was. I was trying to see how far. I bro, I, I, I've never played a place that's so country yet so hood. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I continue to be baffled every time I get there. I'm like, what, what, what in the tar nation is going on out here? Right. I, I, <laughs> I, I see people with like cowboy hats and shit listening to Glock 9 I'm like I don't I look like young and ace bro and I'm like y'all y'all different out here y'all different you all so that's where all that country hip hop comes from yo no nah, no nah, that's definitely Georgia <laughs> <laughs> well that's close Jacksonville has the Florida Georgia game so yeah 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 they do yep they fucking do all right so let's start you want to start with coaching Y'all want, y'all want to talk about uh, yeah, let's do coaching first. All right, perfect. So I remember last uh, week we were we got into about Becky Hammond being a coach. You know, shout out to Big Becky Hammond and the you know for coming from the Spurs organization. So you know she knows what she's doing. She's a completely competent. But we saw that that job went to Chauncey Billups, who was neither my pick nor your pick. Um, so Mike, I didn't get to get your thoughts on it last week. Um, who who did you want to see in that Portland uh, vacancy? Um. I really wish it could have been. I think I don't think we're done seeing, you know, uh, the thing that's going to be a frenzy in Portland this summer. I I still think Dame may be on the rocks about whether he wants to stay or demand a trade. If they would have gotten Jason Kidd because that's the guy he wanted, then I believe um, you know there wouldn't that there wouldn't have been a doubt that he was going to stay. Um. For that reason, me being a Dame fan, I wanted them to get kid. I'm not upset with the Billups signing, but um, I just don't know how capable he is as a coach. So, you know, I would have rather seen Becky get the job, uh, knowing that she's been working under Pop for so long and, you know, she soaked in all this knowledge and she probably knows what she's doing. So I would have rather seen her get it if kid didn't, but I'm not upset with Billups getting it either. No, I feel that. Um, my personal take is, like, my my thought process for my pick was that if you're really going to sit here, if you're going to be like, okay, at the end of the day, we're going to invest in this core, CJ and Dane. Number one, I, I feel like you should have moved. I feel like you, you got to move on from CJ at this point because the definition of insanity is doing the same fucking thing and expecting a different outcome. And you're going to have a different changing scheme in there but that doesn't change the personnel and i'm not saying that a good coach can't unlock players to do better but 
we've seen this song and dance for how many years at this point? How many? About five. About five. So you've yeah. Been, you've been, yeah, five years that we've been seeing the same song and dance of we're really good in the regular season. Even when we're even when we're on a skid, we can rally back and for two months play the best fucking basketball you've ever seen. It doesn't change the point that when we get into the postseason, which is a completely different sport, CJ's rendered useless. Like, it's literally primarily you have Dame out here doing Dame things. CJ's out here putting up inefficient numbers, so, Jay, so Dame has to rely to who his best post player. And that's going to be what... Yusuf Nurkic or maybe what Zach Collins, and in the grand scheme of things, if you're sending out, if your second option's Nurk or Collins, like how far are you really expecting to go? So, if you were going to continue with that trend, I would have definitely said, if you're going to commit, fully commit, and get Mike D'Antoni, that's who I had. You're going to be out here, you'll run different things, you'll be able to utilize the personnel you have because at this point, what's so different between the current Portland team right now? And the Houston Rockets. I'm, I'm Dame is the difference. That's about it. <laughs> Dame's you're switching Dame for, for James Harden, right. and right. So I mean, you'll get a little better. I feel like you'll get a little better playing from the postseason, but your core isn't as strong as it as it Houston's is. So I feel like that's the only way to supplement it. And I mean, with under Dan Tony, they got to Western Conference Finals. The only thing that beat them was Golden State, which is a human cheat, which is a human cheat code cheat. So I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. Well, I mean, to your point, I, I honestly, and I've been telling people this for a minute, either they need to move on from CJ or they need to find a true number two. Because Dame is your number one. CJ, I don't think he's a true number two guy. Um, he would be a great third option. Like, you know, if number one's not can't get going, number two can't get going, then he's that third option who might give you 30 um on a good night. But I, I don't think he should be in a role where he needs to give you 25 a night in the postseason because he's not gonna do that. I'll just be happy with like 20, 23. If I get yeah, 22 consistently, I, 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 I would be like, you know what? You did your best, bro. You was getting buckets. Right. I don't know what to tell you, but like, right. I can't even contend. It's literally, he's the Western's version of Tobias Harris. Yeah. Yeah. The guard version too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah the, he's, well, I I yeah, it's, you're absolutely right about that. I think it's, it's a whole roster recharge needs to be done Nurkic doesn't really fit I'd be interested to see what Billups does this year so I think by the trade deadline we'll probably see something with the roster I think you're right that CJ's probably out of there if because they or they bring in a number two but for CJ's I looked at the money he's making like 30 million dollars a year <laughs> like he's making number two almost number one money so it doesn't really, you can't really do anything. So it's almost like, like Tobias for CJ kind of makes the most sense. Well, I feel like we've had this conversation before. I feel like we've definitely had this conversation. <laughs> I feel like we have too, because that, it's just like, that fits the need. CJ could be the main ball handler in Philly and Tobias Harris goes and he basically takes over and does what Mello does more consistently in the regular season. The playoffs is a totally different story. 
I just, like you said, CJ is making, he's making that much money for one because as Marcus said, they have been completely locked in on this core of Dame and CJ, um, you know, keeping their fingers crossed that maybe one year they've always just changed around the the surrounding, you know, the supporting cast thinking, okay, maybe we didn't get this right. Or maybe we didn't get this right. And, you know, they go get Powell and they get mellow and they just keep changing things around those two and thinking that it's the supporting cast is not the supporting cast. Um, I mean, the supporting cast could be better, but it's more so CJ in the playoffs. Let's just be honest about it. Um, it's literally like having your car. It's like having your car with a fucking flat tire, taking it to the mechanic, and your mechanic's like, yeah, bro, you need a new alternator. Like, your alternator's kind of <laughs> worn now. You need some new brake pads. Like, granted, yeah. yo, you're right. These are all problems that need to be fixed, but that's not, like, my big issue right now. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> So See, they, they I still always, got a flat tire. I'm not yeah, yeah. start the car, but I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what are you talking about, bro? Like, fix my yeah. tire. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So now that we gotten that part, what would you like to see? Like, let's say they do trade. Let's let's say that the NBA does hear our pleas and hear our rain dance and decide to get rid of CJ. What do you think is an adequate trade that unlocks and that unlocks the Blazers to? Get so not even the Western Conference Finals again, which I would like to see, but consistently to the second round, and like being like a viable threat. I think hmm, that's that's a that's a great question. I don't. I have. Like, I don't. What you saying? Like one thought I had. Like my first initial thought was number one. This is a two part plan, right? And I, I've seen a bunch of things like this, right? I've seen a bunch of trades for this. But uh, number one, list Ben Simmons as a power forward. Number two, I think if you're able to trade, you're going to have to give up a lot, probably like two first rounders and maybe like Anthony, Sis- Anthony Simons. But I think there's a way that you're able to, re- to retain CJ and get Ben, and I think that might be what they need. Because I'll put it to you like this. Ben, ben, if you put Ben Simmons in a regular four where you're like, hey, bro, I don't need you to shoot. I don't need you to run the offense. I need you to catch the ball, post moves, and run to the rim and be a high flyer. Who's Ben Simmons with his with his ball handling skills and his and his IQ? You put him, you put him at the four. I would only like him at the five because he's not that good of a rebounder. But you put him in a slashing, you put him in a slashing role. Who's who's really stopping him? I mean, granted, you have the free throw troubles, but at that point, if I'm able to at least just get my other team into foul trouble, that are, that's already a big, a huge asset at that point. Yeah, I mean, because I think that's what I was about to say. Like, I think Philly is, you know more responsible for the exposure of Ben Simmons than he is himself. Uh, because oh, if they to, had... Don't, don't go down this tangent, but you're about to get me <laughs> fucking started, bro. You want to talk? If they had just realized sooner that, you know, okay, I understand we drafted this kid as a point guard, but he's is not going to work out. I, he doesn't shoot. He can't shoot free throws. Therefore, once the playoffs come, he is worth crap on offense. So for that reason, I think Philly should have been moved 
being to the fore um, and just let him play that role that you're explaining right now. Because if he can play that role, I mean, how many power forwards do you have in the NBA who's shooting fucking 85% from the free throw line? Not many. So, I mean, you wouldn't really just expect him to be nobody. No one would be like, oh, well, Ben Simmons can't make a free throw. He can't shoot the ball. Like you said, he, he would just be slashing post moves. Um, you know, rebound when you can. He's not all that good of a rebounder, but if you're playing a four, you're going to have to rebound. So I love the idea of moving Ben to the four. It takes a lot of pressure off of him. Um, and then, like you said, if he could be playing the four with Damon CJ at guard still, um, it just benefits him even more because he doesn't have to worry about shooting. And he might just be out there catching alley-oops and shit. So, right. I mean, I, yeah, I love right. him. So yeah, so that's like a, I that's think a good I might because I ahead, I just wanted to jump in and just say like basically so with Ben Simmons being able to play the four, he can still ball handle on the break when he catches a defensive rebound. He can run the break, so it's that's the exact perfect scenario for him, and then he can dish and that, but it's not handling in the half court. And even in the right. half court, Marcus made a point to um, you know if you go four out one in. And or maybe I mean if you got a power forward guarding Ben Simmons, you you can fucking ISO him mm-hmm. and in the half court. And how many power forwards do we have in the league who would keep up? Um, you know, Zion might Louis be able, would be able yeah. to hold his own. Um Zion might be able to hold his own. We can name a few, but I, we can't name I wanna say Siakam. I want to say Siakam, no, but I don't no. know. I think not on Ben. Not on Ben. Yeah, no, yeah, no, not Ben. Siakam, yeah. His, his length would, you know, help him help, a little bit. Help, but get off the dribble. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. So Siakam would have to pray that maybe Ben, you know, chooses a takeoff point to where he can still reach his long arms out and block it or something. But I don't think he could keep up with him. No, he could so, keep yeah. up with him. He just wouldn't be able to handle him size-wise. Siakam's too slender, too... Yeah. He's not a power forward in the true sense of a power forward that Ben Simmons would be. All right. Well, I feel like we beat the dead. I feel like we beat this whole Portland uh, argument to death at this point. We got a whole lot more to come to the talk about. I understand why Trey yell, be yelling at us all the time because we really do get sidetracked. All right. <laughs> so now we're going to switch over to another Western Conference team, the Dallas Mavericks. So, Y'all know that Mavsland's been shaking up in the last couple months or so. So after the unexpected departure of Rick Carlisle, their longtime coach, there was a vacancy. And we saw that vacancy filled with Jason Kidd. Now, me personally, I'm not the biggest Jason Kidd coaching fan. You know, it's we saw what he did in Milwaukee. And I still think it's so funny that the same issues that they were having with him as a coach they're still having now but I guess I guess he wasn't the problem so maybe maybe with his um offensive proudness and his way to view the game he might do super duper well I mean we see Steve Nash excelling granted it's a lot the situations are completely different because uh Steve Nash has uh what three hall of fame three hall of fame players on his team currently yeah actually are four, maybe five, maybe maybe five, depending on how. Maybe five, but uh, how do you guys feel about the whole um, kid pick? 
we talked off air and I, I think it's it's perfect if they want to emulate the like 2015 bucks in the way that Giannis just kind of had his run or I guess 2016, 2017 Giannis had his run and Luca can do that and then they just find shooters around him so you got to figure out what to do with KP but how was kids defense do we think as a coach because Giannis is a really good defender Luca's not so much didn't those teams have like Greg Monroe on them like those old bucks yeah those old bucks teams have like Greg Monroe as like they're five bro so at the end of the day like it can't be worse than that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Jason who was Luca's preferred choice did he name a preferred choice in the search you want to look it up real quick I'm not I'm not hyper yeah so I'm trying to think so I don't remember hearing too much about the Jason kid no I think the only person that was really coveting him was what uh Portland. So, this is my question about Jason Kidd. Why do you guys think he bagged out of the Portland job? Um, I mean, for Dallas. I think, I honestly think it's a lot more of an appeal to coach, to coach Luca. I mean, the Mavs, I mean, I'm not saying that Portland, Portland's not a winning organization, but Dallas has a lot more to show. And a lot more recently. And I think being able to see, watch Luke, Luca literally manhandle the Clippers two times in a row with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is something, granted for two games, I mean, it's only two games on entire season. But looking at that and looking at Dame, I think it's a safer choice to coach Luca. Not only that, but also the significant difference in age as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the timeline's probably shorter on the Portland job uh, for turning it around, whereas the Dallas one, you have a little more leeway. Was Dame's like 31 now? So yeah. it's, and he's a shorter guard. So his, you could see him extending out this, his prime with a little more shooting, but Luca, you've got a lot more leeway to turn it around. And if you make his defense better, then that helps your resume for the future. Yeah, so how do you think Kid will do as a coach there, uh, Mike? Dallas, um, <clears throat> I was thinking exactly what you were thinking about uh, as far as um, he's definitely going to help Luca excel, um, and he's probably going to pull some pretty good seasons out of Luca um, to where everybody is probably looking at Luca like maybe he could be in the MVP race. Um because you know he did that with Giannis. It, it it was Kid who made Giannis, you know, pop out, and and it was like, well, maybe this guy's an MVP. So I think he might be able to get the same out of Luca. Um, like you said, Luca's defense isn't Giannis's defense by far, uh, but offensively, I mean, I, I don't know if it, when when they talk about MVP, I guess that's why they got Defensive Player of the Year because I don't think they really care about defense when it comes to MVP. So um I think Luke is gonna have some pretty good seasons, but it's the team that I'm worried about. Um because I don't think coaching has been a problem and definitely wasn't Carlisle that was the problem. Um so 
it, what are they expecting him to come in and do? I don't think if they're expecting him to make them championship contenders, then I don't think he's going to do a good job. Um, if they just want him to maybe turn the the organization around within a few years, depending on what the front office gives him, maybe he could do that. But I think it just depends on what their expectations of him is. It, it always depends on that because if, you know, from a fan standpoint, they can go 22 and 80 and I mean, 22 and 60 and we're looking like, oh, well, Jason Kidd is a fucking bust, but maybe the front office knew that they were going to have a horrible season. Maybe they didn't care. You know, maybe they're giving him a few years and then they're going to start looking at him like, okay, this guy's the man. But I, I, it just depends on what they want him to do. If they don't want him to come in and immediately be a championship contender, then he's going to be all right. But if that's what they're expecting, he's definitely going to be a bust. I don't want to make an insinuation, but you think they're playing the long game out here to be really trash for like a year or two, get some really fire draft picks, you know, get Luca like that second option and run it back. Well, it is supposed to be next year's draft is supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. Conspiracy. (laughs) We'll see. Um, I think if the Mavs come out and just fucking blows it this year, then, you know, we're going to be back about this time next year and we're going to be like, yeah, they were pretty much playing a long game. They want to get some weapons. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think I think the pride in Dallas is not going to allow them to do that. Um, I think they're going to have to try to contend and be optimistic, um, even though we know that they don't have a championship team. Uh, they're going to try to contend, and, I mean, they're going to be middle of the pack. So that, that's my – that's what I think that, that they're going to do. So so for Dallas, do we think KP staying there? Do they have to get rid of KP to be able to unlock this? Because we talked about the Bucks; They didn't have a KP. They had a Middleton. And he was okay with that role. And we've talked before about um, Porzingis just not being comfortable in the offense because he's not getting the touches. Mm -hmm. So is that the move that they have to make in Dallas? I don't want to call it yet. Like, I I really don't want to call it yet because this season – I'm, it's hard for me to take this whole two-year span really seriously with uh, number one, COVID, and then doing a bumble, bubble, not a bumble. Um, and second of all, you had literally the shortest turnaround in an NBA season. Like, you, this season literally decimated everyone. Like, no one was safe this season. So, I don't – it's a lot of hard for me to say, put a lot – I mean, not say I'm not putting any stock into it, but I'm not viewing this as a regular – in a regular time frame. So I don't want to say that they're going to get rid of them, but if they're not clicking when the season starts, you're going to have to get them out of there. You're going to have to get them out of there before the trade deadline for you to be able to, because you can't run through another postseason with KP playing the way he is. Like one, you can be like, uh, you know, you can justify it with everything that's happened. But if you go through another second postseason like this, you are, you're going to put him in a Ben Simmons role. Actually, less than that, because Ben Simmons has a lot more potential than Chris Porzingis does. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it can work with KP, maybe with Jason Kidd. Um, you know, in their frustration of cries, he might be able to get KP more touches, um, run more plays that runs for KP or through KP. Um, but if KP starts to get a lot more touches, then what do we see out of Luca at that point? Mm-hmm. You know, like does he do we see a decline in his play a little bit because he's not as ball dominant uh, because he has to share the wealth with KP or, you know, do he, does he still make the most out of his touches and we still see, you know, the, uh, the rising star in him. I, it, that's, that's my only worry is if you take the ball out of Luca's hands and to make KP happy, I don't think he can make as much happen as Luca can. So, you know, that's, that's just, Kind of a win-lose situation. Yeah, I'd, honestly, he kid basically has to tell him to be Middleton. And, like, on offense, just stand in the corner, float around. You don't really have to move too, too much because Middleton never really did in that offense. And occasionally, Luca will throw it out to you if you are – if he gets bogged down and you don't really have to play too much defense. Um but I don't really see Luca or KP being okay with that. That's that's what I see. I just saw somebody that wants to have the touches he was getting in New York, and in Dallas, it's not going to happen. Right. I definitely yeah. agree. Um, like as much um, as I like my first option to happen, where you know they get clicking, like I see that happen. There's like a thirty percent chance of that happening. In my opinion, like, I just thought that once it got public about how messy it was, it kind of takes, it, it makes you know that it's a lot worse than it really is. So you never want to have a locker room divided by two alphas. Like, it's it's not going to work. So Is KP an alpha, though? I was about to say, especially <laughs> KP, when the one, one okay. is... KP thinks, KP thinks he's an alpha. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, but if you have that mindset, like you're an alpha, you can't have yeah. two. You can't have two head chefs in there. Someone's gonna have to be. Someone's gonna have to be the suit. Someone's gonna have to say. Someone's gonna have to fall back. And I think KP making the public makes vocalizes that that's not the type of guy he is. Which is why I would say that he his play he might not play like an alpha, but in his mind he is alpha. <laughs> yeah. No. So. Honestly, I the I've thought he needs to go to a team that doesn't really have that doesn't have an alpha already there, and that tends to be the teams that are not in the playoffs that I've seen. For that, that's what I was about to say. New York made him feel like an alpha um, because he was definitely the best player in New York. Um, but I mean, he didn't do shit for New York. You know that? I, no, like, yeah, that's exactly. Cool. Like, yeah, you know, so if he went to a team who doesn't have an alpha, then you know he's not gonna make. He he's gonna make a difference, but he's not gonna make much of a difference to like get them into the playoffs. Or he's not that guy um, that he thinks he is. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with KP. To I, 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 it's either you're either trying to win or you're trying to make him happy. And if you try to make him happy, I think, you know, know, so it's it's like, I I don't know what to do about that. 
Yeah, he gets paid like a number two, though. That's the thing. Like, how does he not understand? Like, his salary is a number two salary. Right. And he needs, he is a number two. I don't know why he keeps thinking he's an alpha. <laughs> that's it. You're exactly right. You're either making him happy or you're winning. Yeah. With your number ones, it's making them happy and you're winning. The, <laughs> the best of both worlds. Yeah, I know jo- Joe's hilarious because he's been in the ch- like with me trying to get KP to Indianapolis for some reason to Indiana. That that would be the only good place he could get the good team he could get to because Sabonis would be like would fit along with him. He's not a huge personality, but I don't know if they want. KP, I don't know why. I think they're okay on that. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think they'd rather have Miles Turner and Sabonis. Yeah, and Brogdon, because there's no way you get KP without moving any of your number one assets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're really set. No, the team because the team I thought of that I, I think you did you bring it up, Marcus, to me, and we worked it together. I can't remember. It's Sacramento, the Kings. Just Bagley needs to get out of there. Yes, sir. And Bagley needs, needs to go to a team that will let him be the alpha he thinks he is, I guess, or have players that can work alongside him. The salaries, like we said, are huge. So we had to throw in some other players. And Marcus, you had come up with Heald, and his salary fit in well. I said we need to throw a little something back Sacramento's way. I offered Melly. You rebuked me very sternly and suggested Trey Burke. Both of them work. With Trey Burke, you'd have to throw a second towards Sacramento. If you trade Melly, I think you get a first out of Sacramento going back to Dallas for that. So those are kind of your options for the Dallas-Sacramento trade. What do you guys think about those different options? You already know my point on this. You already know my point on this trade. I helped, you, I helped make this trade. Of course I like this trade. <laughs> no, it's just like, I think it's super simple. Um, they, definitely have a, they definitely have an alpha with De'Aaron Fox. That's, Sacramento's definitely De'Aaron Fox's team. That's no mm-hmm. joke. But the compliment styles, number one, Bagley's not working at all like it's not working it's been very apparent that i don't even remember respectfully they shouldn't even chosen they shouldn't even took it i don't even know why they even took him because it just once we saw that pick we're like this this is stupid what is going on so it was a, a failed marriage from the start but you compare De'Aaron fox and kp a lot better because De'Aaron fox likes to be is a more of a driving point guard you know he's really good at finishing that's his thing whereas kp likes to play more of an outside role so you're able to have the best of both worlds having them there not essentially having your prototypical point guard who's out here trying to which luca is for all accounts for the dallas mavericks and then another post-centric guy who's kind of clunky if you have someone that makes your defense collapse and you're able to knock it out to this seven footer who literally who in his prime can shoot the ball really fucking well because he towers over everyone. It does work. And because you're also in a lower market where granted the fan base is just looking for that other person. If you're able to fit that role, you walk away happy. Then you start worrying about, okay, what we're going to build around these two 
relatively young stars to figure out what we need to succeed. But Bagley's definitely not that guy. So it's just better for you to cut bait at this point. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, I the way I feel about that trade is you swap KP and Bagley and the extras really won't, you know, it, it won't mean much um, unless you're like giving away Hill or, or something because Hill plays a big role in Sacramento too. So, uh, and he is a fit. So then it, it goes where we're going to, if you're Dallas and you want to try to get Hill, like, you know, like we talked about, you're going to have to give us Hardaway. But I don't think Dallas will mind giving away Hardaway, not because he's not good, but because that contract, if you can get off of that contract, then you might have room to maneuver and bring in even a little more help for Luca and Bagley and who, or, or whoever. So, um, yeah, I think the main part of the trade is just swapping KP for Bagley um, because, like Marcus said, it's not a good fit. Um, but I think it would be a pretty good fit in, in Dallas. So, yeah, they can actually work to – they don't need to do anything with Hardaway because they have expiring contracts. I'm just going to pull it up right here because I had those two trades um, finished on the trade machine. So Dallas, they have – right now they're over the cap by oh, uh, 17 and change. They have Reddick coming off at $13 million. Which Bobon, helps Yeah, Boban at three and a half. And then if you get rid of Trey, you get rid of some salary, you might be able to sign Boban to something, a more team-friendly deal, because he'll probably take it. Like, I think Boban is the kind of guy that will take it. I can see Boban taking a minimum. Yeah, so you get him to something minimum so you don't have to lose him. So they can make this trade work. They might be a little bit over the cap, but I think Cuban will be okay with that. Um, I think he'll do that. And Sacramento's in a good spot because they have some cap room. But it was just, you know, depending on what which players are going which way with the Kings is where the draft picks go. But if you're the Kings, you ask for Melly and you take Burke in it. <laughs> That's kind of how I see them negotiating that. But I think I think it's a really good trade because it actually helps Dallas a lot. Heald is going to be work well off the ball and do what KP should have been doing this past Oops. year. And he can run second unit stuff if they need to as well for that to kind of get him his, the touches he wants to keep him happy for that. So you can stagger them and take, have him run half of the first like starts run six minutes. And then does Doncic usually play the whole first quarter? I think, so. I think, I don't think so. Yeah. I, no. I, I think he subs like, he subs out later. So if he, so sometimes I think Doncic played like six at the front and then six and then a lot in the second quarter. Yeah. So if, if you just, you sub him out and then he'll just stays in and then comes out when Doncic comes back and you stagger them that way. I think that works well for that, but they have the room now. And I think that's why they got rid of, they picked up Redick at the deadline was that expiring contract of 13 million, which is yeah. really good to do something with getting rid of KP. Absolutely. I feel like we need to transition. I feel like we've been talking. <laughs> I feel like we spent an hour on these first two topics. We still haven't even gone over a recap of like the playoffs. So you want to hop into that now? Yeah, let's talk about that. We've got last night was Phoenix and Clippers. Um, that that was rough. I 
did you get to a chance to we talked about it beforehand mike me and um marcus here did you get a chance to watch that game last night i did not i was following the score but i wasn't anywhere settled to where i can watch it did you think your phone froze for like 20 minutes on you oh yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> oh the fucking fourth board <laughs> yeah when it was like 71 70 for like 20 minutes real time <laughs> bro i was like <laughs> i was like yo what is going on like i oof, man even when i, I seen know, the halftime when i seen the halftime score i was like and when the notification popped up it said that the suns were rolling at halftime mm-hmm. but i seen the score i'm like um i think it was like 50 to 35 or some shit and i'm like Rolling, um, fifty points. You know, I mean, what? I, what is this? Two thousand and twelve? Like, what's yeah, going on? So, right, that's what I'm saying. Like, what do you mean rolling? That doesn't look like rolling at all. But okay, I mean, I'm gonna. If you like it, I love it. So yeah, that that halftime score definitely made me feel like. I mean, made me wish that I was watching the game, but I did not catch it. No, it was. It's it's something you can go back and appreciate, just for the back and forth, the rock fight nature of it old school for myself like I'm of the age I grew up with that kind of basketball but younger people I can definitely see why they they hated it they Phoenix was rolling no but like Chris Paul just kind of kept bogging them down a little because he couldn't keep rolling with them and I, since he came back from COVID protocol because he had a rub go in game three also mm-hmm. um and you know to come back and you know have a rough going game four uh you just I think game five you know he might shake the rust off better hopefully um I definitely think you know it's it's definitely over uh the series is over Mm -hmm. I don't think the Clippers are gonna win one in Phoenix um even though Chris Paul did say last night in the post game that he did not want to talk through one because he didn't have good experiences with it um so he he refused to say anything about a three one lead, but I definitely think it's gonna be over in five. Um, hopefully he can get playing like he was. What did you think, Marcus, about that game last night? Oh man, like I see what you're saying. Like I can appreciate the I can appreciate the boofness of it. But I could at the time I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, but now looking back and I'm like, okay, like, this is the type of game where you need to like, especially when you're up two one, you kind of want to put the pressure defensively on and defense. And Phoenix kept that defense on. The, I mean, granted they did let their lead slip, but like that you're saying, that's only in the grand scheme of things. What three possessions, three four possessions, especially in the playoffs. Like, we've literally seen twenty five point um, leads evaporate like that <laughs> literally like that like no one's business so i can appreciate deandre i think deandre Ayton is clearly the second best player for phoenix it's not even close the way that he was able to garner the defense hold that and also hold on the offense he still had like what like 19 points like 22 rebounds like three blocks i understand why chris paul is huh four blocks, blocks and yeah. Steal. <laughs> yeah so i understand why chris paul is apprehensive to speak about the situation but this is a game where Chris Paul can play like Dookie and he doesn't have to worry about it because the rest of his team can't rally and take take charge. And I'm I don't think he's ever been on a team where he's ever had where there's ever a good third option. Except for Jamal Crawford. 
I mean, Jamal Crawford might uh, be yeah. the third best option on like on the Clippers teams, but they're that that was just that was a choke job for the ages. To, like when you were talking about the 2015 um, second round, like I'm still confused on what the fuck happened. So I, it's over, bros. We said Suns in four, but we got to change it to Suns in five. Honestly, right, the Clippers going to be. Yeah, the Clippers threw that game away, and it was. I don't know what Tyler was doing. Why, like Paul George, just kind of didn't do what Paul George does or should be doing is he should have been taking the ball. Like Marcus Morris was throwing up threes with like eight, like 12 seconds left in the shot clock. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like Marcus Morris? No, like (laughs) you guys haven't hit a basket in five minutes. Somebody drive, somebody dunk. Like why are we taking threes, contested threes? Like it was just such bad offense. It was ridiculous. No matter how this plays, even if I even if by some chance the Clippers are able to get past the Suns, which it's not happening. Which which like I'm sorry. Like if you're if you're still seeing the Clippers like winning this, I'm like you have not been watching this series. You have not been watching the tempo of this. It's mm-hmm. it's clear to see that the Clippers are literally throwing everything that they have at the Suns, and the Suns are like, we'll match that and just give you a little bit more. Like. I don't, I really don't think they're playing to their full potential at this point. Like, I still, like, and I don't want to, I know Devin Booker got injured. I know Chris Paul was out, but though they're out of rhythm. It's completely mm-hmm. obvious, obvious to tell. Like, I don't think this son, I think Chris Paul being out for those couple of games kind of ruined the cohesion that they had. But I think this commanding win is going to help them get it back. But at this point, you got to call the Clippers, the Clippers experiment with Kawhi an utter failure. Mm-hmm. he's actually what they're missing because he would have done what I was yelling at the TV for the Clippers to do. He would drive. have been like, give me the fucking ball. I'm going to drive to my 18 foot spot that nobody can touch me at. And I'm going to drain this two pointer to start getting baskets again. <laughs> and right. I'm going to steal on the other end and dunk it. And we're back in this game. We're winning. <laughs> yeah, It's man. not, honestly, I do go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say with Kawhi, I definitely could have seen this being a very thrilling and exciting seven-game series. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, they would have been back in Phoenix battling it out game seven, you know, and it probably would have went how game seven always should go down to the wire. But without Kawhi, I just don't think the Clippers have enough. So, Right. With Kawhi, with Kawhi, it was Suns and six. All right. Without Kawhi, I was like, brothers. I was like, when I saw Kawhi go down, I was like, bro, that, that's literally the series. But yeah. going back to my thing, it's it, they took a bet on Paul George, and that shit did not pay off, like, at all, like, in the slightest. Like, <laughs> I think Toronto's going, whew. Ah. Yo, no, like, no, seriously, like, where do the clip, like, where do you go from here? Because at this point, I don't think Kawhi's resigning. No, he definitely not resigning. I with the no. Clippers. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know where. Where would he go though? I'm well. That's that's off topic. So not even the point. We'll talk yeah, about no, that. That would, that would definitely be like a full. Se- that's a full episode in the off season because there's right. so many different options for him. Like I've said, Miami. Like he's going to Miami. Fans. Going, yo, we're gonna get rid of Jimmy Butler, bro. <laughs> we're gonna do a sign and trade. You guys, they can have them. You put Jimmy Butler and Paul George on a team together. Right? That oh that can gosh. get you to that will get you to the playoffs. 
Who the playoffs? Yeah, but it's the playoffs. Yo, where, yo, <laughs> where the hell bro, are bro, you I going mean, in the playoffs? I mean, it's literally gonna take Jimmy Butler yeah. fucking making Paul George cry every single practice, but they'll they'll, they'll get there. The, the meme is basically it, it happened. NBC or ESPN gave it to us when they showed the replay of Paul George missing the free throw and Ballmer just dropping his head. <laughs> it's just like, what have what have I done? <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. I, mean, I was just cackling because he's like right, and it's the perfect view from the camera, showing the free throw from behind the shoulder, and it was just absolutely amazing. How do you and, feel about uh? How do you feel about Patrick Beverly's playing this series, Sean? Because I think you're more apprehensive of him as a player than I am. Because he he's not doing enough on defense to make up for the lack of offense. Reggie Jackson's been a revelation when they played that like Apple ad where they had Siri who's made the most three pointers in the playoffs, and they're like, yeah, that's Patrick Beverly, and I was like, or not Patrick, that's Reggie Jackson. I'm like, what? Richie yeah. Jackson has the most three-pointers in the playoffs right now. <laughs> like, I was just like, okay, I got to keep an eye on Reggie Jackson and see what he's up to because he should I be think, taking more minutes off of Pat Dev. I think they just – I think he's just – well, I mean, honestly, with Kawhi out, I, I don't know. Um, but the start of him even getting this to this point to where he has this many threes is because – who was really worried about Reggie Jackson? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> hey, we got to stop PG and we got to stop Kawhi. So who gives a fuck? If Reggie Jackson beats us, then we deserve to lose. Yeah, but yeah, no, two but seven nah, game nah, series. No, no, here's the seven thing, game but, series. He's played so many games. Like, Clippers yeah. played more games than everybody. Right. Yeah, like Reggie Jackson. Yeah, everyone forgets Reggie Jackson used to be the fucking man, bro. Like, remember when Russell Westbrook was out? Yeah. Yeah, for OKC. That was oh, like, yeah, it, OKC, yeah. It was Reggie time, bro. Like, Reggie Jackson was out here, like, that's why, like, I actually had to watch him. I saw some deep history that Reggie Jackson was literally out here, get like, had people like, yo, should we just get rid of Russell and keep Reggie? Because, like, he kind of flows with KD a little bit better. And that's why they moved him to Detroit, because him and Russell got to it and it got nasty. So I get that, but, like, at the same time, like, that's all. That's like what eight years ago. Like I didn't see anyone expected Reggie Jackson to be like, still be able to do that. No, but it's yeah. I don't know what's going on with them either. It's it's over. All right. Um. How, how? What's your take on Bucks and Hawks? I want the Hawks to win. I'm done with the Bucks. Like they'll ha- they'll have to pull the Clippers and get a rock fight out of them. That's how they beat the Nets one game last series. Was that 87, 83 game or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it's Atlanta's, I think it's too good. I think it's the same problem. Like, who's guarding John Collins? John Collins is out there grabbing rebounds and should have had an N1 on that putback. And yeah, Marcus, you're all over it with <laughs> who's guarding John Collins. And they don't really have an answer. Yeah, I, I think. Um... I think it's a bad matchup for the Bucks. I think, though, they have the more experienced team playoffs. Um, they're the more experienced team. And if what I said as soon as the Hawks won game one, I said they have done their job. They stole the game. And after they stole that game, I said now they have to do another job and take care of their home floor. 
if they can do that, if they can go back to Atlanta and they can get two wins, it's going to be hard as fuck if they can go back to Atlanta and get two wins over Milwaukee. Boy, is this series over for Milwaukee. Um, because at that point, I think I think Trey Young is definitely a confidence guy. And he's one of those guys where if you let him get too much confidence, then I think the team feeds off of his confidence. So now if we go to Atlanta, we get two. He's feeling himself. And, you know, we go back to game five in Milwaukee and he's fucking shimmying all over the court and pulling threes from the logo. And, I mean, it's just going to be crazy. So I think it just depends on what the Hawks do do at home. If they let Milwaukee steal one back or even steal two, then – you know, unfortunately, we've seen the end of the Hawks playoffs run. But if they can take care of business at home, I think they go to the NBA Finals. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But here's the thing. Like, normally, I would say I don't think so. But you not see they're better at home. Mm-hmm. They're they're significantly better at home. Like, that crowd, they, that crowd's energy, they really feed off of it exponentially. So, at this point, it wasn't even that. But I just think you have – you get better rebounded. Hawks with Clint Capella outpace, literally outpacing Brooke Lopez. I just, the Hawk, my problem with the Hawks is the Hawks are only, are are built on, they remind me of the 09 Cavs. Like, if you take Giannis out of there, the whole team kind of just, they'll, they'll be in there, but they just completely crumble apart. And Chris Middleton, as good as he is, can't take over games. But I don't think, I see him, this is going to sound like if he's like my third player, I'm so happy. If he's like, he's like a two B in a sense, like he's, he's just good enough to be my secondary star, but not good enough to be like who I really want to be my secondary star. I think Giannis is good. I think Giannis is so good that if you took Chris Wilson in a, out this vacuum that he's in and put onto any other team, he doesn't have the same success that he does. Same thing with the coaching of Mike Budenholzer. Again, time and time again, you shift these cogs around, but it's clearly not working. Yeah, Middleton's not aggressive enough to be a good number two with Giannis. Like, he needs to be taking shots away from Giannis more and more because Giannis, when he settles for the three, it's like, yeah, sure, cool, go ahead. Um, and then, or if you just start battling him, but I think when they put Giannis on Trey Young in game two, I was like, oh, they actually don't really have any idea what to do. <laughs> like they, yeah. it, it kept no, it. we told you, I told you. And I'm like, I'm like, they're going to play Trey Young so hard and it's going to work beautifully because it doesn't matter because the Hawks are fine. The Hawks play not it's great when Trey has his 48 games, but there's a chance, but you've seen it where Trey's literally gone like eight and 22. Yeah. yeah. And there's, and they're like roll, they're rolling other over teams. They're completely finessing other teams. So once I saw them playing to that, I was like, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, they have no idea what to do with Trey. I'm like, I'm like, you're gonna be, I'm like, you want to throw PJ Tucker at John Collins. All right, bro. You got, <laughs> you, you got that, man. Yeah. They honestly need, to get the refs in the bag to win this series for the Bucks, I think but, in, in Atlanta, the one thing was Chris Middleton, Jalen Rose <laughs> before game six of the Nets Bucks series showed the home and away splits of Middleton. Cause that game was in Milwaukee and he's a phenomenal player at home. 
Like he's like shooting 50% from the field, averaging 25 points a game and horrendous mm-hmm. away. And he had a really good game at home in game six, which they won. His game seven wasn't great, but Giannis just outpaced Durant. Durant just couldn't get the shots to fall. So if Middleton doesn't turn it around, Atlanta is going to take these next two games. You also got to remember, you also got to remember this other thing as well. Uh, number one, they have been calling Gian, um, um, Giannis on his long ass free throws, which is something that is made public. So the reps are going to have to be on that mm-hmm. now. So that's going to, the Bucks needed, the Bucks literally need the refs to stay in this game. So if they're going to be cracking down on them harder, which they will be doing in Atlanta. Yeah, the crowd chanting. Huh? Crowd chanting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, yo, and their counting skills are perfection. They're like, this man's over 10 every single time. Yeah, and they released that there was a couple missed ones. They said it during the game last night was that the report came out after the game because the refs have to release the report for transparency. And they said they missed like two or three 10-second calls on Giannis. So I didn't see anything happen in game two, but you know, game three and four in Atlanta, the fans are going to be all over that and they're not going to miss those calls. No, not at all. They're not going to let them miss those calls. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like they're going to be hey, out loud, like, hey, one, two, three. And once Yo, they get the 10. They always start blowing whistles and everything. The fans are going to get their own whistles, start blowing them. <laughs> Yeah, and Atlanta's not been shut down by COVID. Like, it's been wide open the whole time. So they're all used to this. This Oh, we love the South. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm excited for that game tonight. That's going to be a really good game. Um, Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Are we we missing anything else? I didn't. We got our Paul George slander in. Uh, That was the last note I had. Oh, the lottery. Oh, yes, the lottery. How did you guys feel about the lottery? I got to talk to uh, with Ignacio and Trey about it. Um, I like the fact that Detroit, you know, won it because I just I, I've been feeling sorry for Detroit. Like I just don't know what's going on down there. And I mean, maybe this draft lottery will help them turn the tide a little bit, um, and at least get back to where they they aren't just like a complete disappointment of an organization. So. Um, I mean, I like that for them. I don't feel any type of way about it. Um, the only reason why Detroit hasn't been relocated yet is because they've actually won three championships in the span in their yeah, history. And they're, they're still living in the past, and that's why I said, like, I feel sorry for them because later. at this point, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What, what, are, what are you doing? Um, can't get a star. You know, you can't get... Uh, Nothing is going for you, literally. Um, so I, I do. I, I hope that they use it the right way and get someone who's going to help them turn this around. Um, but so, you know, I, I like it. I, I like Detroit winning the lottery. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you're right. It, I hope they make the right move. If, even if they don't keep it, if they pull like an age where they trade back because they don't think Cade will be the right fit for them. I think that's still the right move. Like I'm not going to knock them if they trade out of one and get something else because they do need, they have some pieces. A lot of fans are, are happy with what they have so far. So if they can find, if Cade fits in well, I think he will. 
but if they can pick up more to fit in better, then that's what you do. That's what you do with the number one pick. Flip it. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Flip it. Like everyone forgets that you can always trade the note. Like if you don't, if you don't see what you have at this point, they have enough young pieces out here to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. At this point, you're just missing that one go-to score. That's all, that's yeah. all they're really missing. So, like, I hear, like, no, I'm not saying that Kate isn't worth the number one pick, but, like, you specifically, Detroit, do not need that number one pick. Mm -hmm. Do you That's, think they could, do you think that they could get Houston to trade and be like, we're, tr we're talking to other teams and get Houston freaking? Because I think Evan Mobley would be a great pickup for Detroit. He'd fit right. in well there. You can always and just drop to three or four or something like that. Like, I, I don't, I don't really see Mobley going past two. Honestly, yeah. like I think he, I, he's, I'd take him number one, but you know that Houston wants Cade. So I'd threaten to trade to number one to another team to get Houston to give me something. Like I get, I get Houston to overpay for number one. But not even that, because like, let's see what they have. They have Killian Hayes, right? Who's young, mm -hmm. but has the potential, right? They have Demboya. Yeah. They have Jeremy Grant. Who else there? They have one guy I'm missing too. I'm missing someone. Who the fuck is it? I think it's their stunt. Young, what is his name? Oh my god. I know I'm not it's yeah. not Sadiq Bay. Granted, I do like Sadiq Bay. Um who's their big? I have no idea. I know I, it, it's some young bull. Hold up, so Detroit. John, you're the computer man. Yeah. I'm working on it right now. So what do we got? Grant Foster. We've got Tyler Cook, their center, big guy, big guy. Mason Plumley, you liked him. Not Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. So at this point, you have these young guns who are ready to run. Like, I don't. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who it is right now. Like, it, the thought just hit me. But like, I would just try to see if I move them, just get a known quantity at this point, since mm -hmm. I already have all these untapped potentials. Like, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Yeah, yeah, and I like and, I like their coaching staff. Dwayne Casey does get the most out of them. They'll probably cap out at some point, but yeah, you know, but they're super Sydney young. Lowe's so, a good assistant. Yeah, like getting Dwayne Casey was like getting a coach for the long run. Which, yeah, and they got him after he won Coach of the Year. Yeah, like so at this point they were like, "Listen, bro, we've been shit for so many years. Like, you can't do a worse job than anyone else that's coming through these doors." Yeah, yeah, and. and I, I think they should trade out of the first pick and get something, but we'll see. Yeah, I feel like it, it would help them more to get um, to a spot that, you know, maybe you get, you get a guy who's already established. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you trade away that first pick and get you, get you a, I wouldn't even say superstar, get you a star. Because um, like y'all keep making a the point, they do have a lot of young pieces there. Bro, so, I'll give you Jimmy Butler. You have Jimmy Butler. Yeah, well, I don't like Jimmy. Jimmy. I don't like Jimmy because in the playoffs, he's not going to be able to give you enough scoring. No, I don't want I, honestly. Jimmy if they can make the playoffs, that'd be their best case scenario. Yeah, like no, no. Jimmy will get you to the playoffs. Like if you get them to the playoffs, and you yeah, get like Detroit's Jimmy Butler, it. bro. I'll give you Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, I will take Jimmy because, like you said, one hundred percent, he will get you to the playoffs. And maybe if you get to the playoffs now, 
your team is becoming a little more appealing to stars who's going to hit. That's what I'm saying. Like, look at the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's like, true. Like, like, look at the Knicks. Other than playing in the Mecca, there's no other perks for playing for the Knicks. They're kind of trash. You got to pay fucking sales tax. You got to pay New York State. You got to pay New York State tax, bro. That's horrible, bro. So, like, just being able to win makes you a lot more appealing. So at this point, if we're already out here building our infrastructure, we just need someone to come in there and just put the fucking house up already. The foundation's already laid. Yeah, you're going to get chatter on ESPN because Jalen Rose is going to talk about you if you're a good franchise. Exactly. you're going to get limelight there. Yeah, exactly. And and no one, and everyone loves it because at this point, look, I heard last time basketball, like the league's been this competitive and everyone loves that. It makes games a lot more, it makes you pay attention to the season a lot more because you're like, wow, like the garbage teams, even granted, Houston wasn't that great this season, but look how much they were destroyed by injuries and losing James Harden. But when they were playing, they were at least cohesive. Yeah. They did have good, they did have good games. They looked well with Christian when Christian Wood was actually there. Yeah. So if you're able to just to raise if you're re- just raise it, able to raise your floor, then worry about your ceiling. You can't worry about your ceiling without not having a floor. That's that's a good that's an excellent excellent way to put it. I think that's I think we need to end it there. That's if you can that that was great. I love it, Marcus. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we go? No, nah, bro, you capped us, bro. You said we can't talk no more. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I, I want to watch Netherlands play Czech Republic here. It's the Euros on. Bro, you not have DVR? <laughs> I do, I do. Um, my dad's recording the games. So I'll let you guys go. The weather looks amazing there, Marcus. I'm super, super jealous uh, just seeing that nice sunshine there. I think I'm going to go enjoy this, try and get the laptop out on the deck and watch the game here and uh we'll talk later enjoy the game tonight boys follow us on twitter at charity stripe 23 on instagram at charity stripe 23 and find the charity stripe commentary youtube page we're putting videos out and uh subscribe and follow thank you so much boys it's been fun
signals an offense like the Bucks had with uh, uh, with Giannis. So it's gonna be it's gonna be Luca like going. Uh, Luca is gonna be like very ball dominant, and I don't think Randall's gonna like that. Or it's, it, he's not really a spot up. I think the heels can be a better spot up shooter than. Basically, you can stagger their minutes so Heald can run the second unit a little because he can play kind of like Luca, where he's more ball dominant than he's dishing it out to shooters. Oh, sorry, sorry, so sorry. I, I, I got a text from a big booty dream. Um, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Don't. 